Good morning, my name is Alex Preston. I am your online campus pastor and I wanna welcome you guys to Bethel's Rock Online. Uh, we're so excited that you decided to join us, whether you're uh, watching for the first time or you even clicked on by accident. Uh, I believe that you're here for a purpose and um, I'm excited to jump into the word this morning. But before that, I just wanna thank Pastor James uh, for the opportunity. Um, he is not here with us, obviously, this week, uh, but the dude absolutely kills it um, every single Sunday. So I, uh, I, I can't promise you anything, uh, but I do believe that God gave me a word. Uh, and so I'm confident in that, even though it might be uh, uh, a little jarring or make me a little insecure having to follow up uh, that dude because he can absolutely uh, preach. Uh, but Nonetheless, I want to get into this message because I'm really excited and I do believe God has a word uh, for each and every one of you that is watching this morning. Um, I wrote this message. It's actually been a couple conversations that I've had with people and that's what I love. I love preaching when it's like I've had a conversation and actually uh, real life about it and I'm not just pulling something from like, I, I, I usually get it because I'm like, what are people actually thinking? Because sometimes if you've been a Christian for a while, you kind of forget like some of your doubts or misconceptions about the faith. And so call me simple. Um, I dropped out of college, uh, so maybe that's why I do it. Uh, but I just love the practicality and what do people actually think and what misconceptions are plaguing Christians and non-believers from having a relationship with Jesus. And I remember going out to um, lunch uh, of a buddy of mine and this guy, I've been, I've been um, trying to bring to the faith for a while. Like he was a Christian, but not like really, if you know what I mean. Like he's just not, he just kind of was confused about it all. And there were some things that he, in his life that he wasn't wanting to give up and to fully follow um, Jesus in this life. And there were some hesitations where he felt like he couldn't. And so um, this has been like a two-year process. And this, um, uh, this day he wanted to, to go to lunch with us. And so me and my uh, other friend, my Christian friend, he came with me and we uh, sat down to lunch with uh, my buddy of mine and uh, we began to talk and it's the same spiel that I've, we've kind of been going through for the last couple of years, something he didn't want to like give up or fully start pursuing Jesus and we're talking and talking and then actually my, the friend that I had brought with me cuts him off and says, you don't really want to follow Christ and so we can just stop the conversation. And I kind of, I kind of looked at him. I'm like, bro, like take it easy on the dude. And the, you should have seen the guy's face. He was just in shock and was like, like what? No, I do. I want to follow Jesus. What are you talking about? And then my friend continues on and says, no, you don't. You're looking, you're looking at what a life of Christ is keeping you from, but you're not even focused on. It. Like you don't even want Jesus. You're, you're looking at everything that if you were to follow him, what you couldn't do not a life that what you could do in living this amazing life with Jesus because it, it, these minor these minor things that you're you're looking at are really not that big when you look um, to how great a life with Jesus is and I remember taking that conversation and I'm like I don't know if I would have done it like that but it kind of helped me moving forward and and really discerning people's people's words when when you're talking to them and, and people's uh, view of how they actually look at God that people are so obsessed with their sin that they forego a relationship with God. And that's Christians and non-believers. I remember growing up 
in church, I felt like I heard more about sin than I did about Jesus. And maybe that was honestly not the pastor, but probably my own insecurities and misconceptions about God. I can't do this and I can't do that. And if I committed a sin, uh, there'd be some form of karma or bad luck that was coming down my path. Uh, because I didn't really know Jesus, I saw the limitations that this Christian religion uh, would bring me. I wanted to do my own thing and with a clear conscience, and God got in the way of that because that's what tormented me, which I knew was wrong. But uh, I just, I remember thinking, I, this is a literal conversation. I remember where I was because um, I knew God. I knew he was real, but I loved doing what I was doing. It was fun uh, not having to worry about or, or follow this list of rules that I thought at the time. And I remember thinking, I'm, I'll just, when I get older, or get a dollar more responsible, it'll just be a testimony of mine. Um, it'll just be a cool story how I turned my life around. I was so conditioned in the faith that that was my thinking. I was so good at playing the part that my thinking was literally, oh, I'll turn my life around later and it'll be a cool story that maybe we get a video uh, about. I didn't want a relationship with God. I was way more in love with my sin. That was until I had a real encounter with Jesus that was more than just an old book. It flipped my whole perspective and I recognized the things that God was trying to keep me from. He was trying to free me from. We don't know we're prisoners of our sin because we're so in love with it. We don't know we need saving because we are so in love with it. And so I'm about to go into a story that kind of, it actually really brings us all the way back to the beginning because I know I've preached about this before, uh, but I love going back to the beginning because I think we tend to complicate sin and the, uh, and the devil and the enemy and their schemes, but it's really simple because we have a playbook of how he operates and that's all the way in the beginning. But before I begin, if you're not a Christian uh, and you've never read the Bible, what we're about to read is really weird. And I don't want us to, to overlook that, that there is, uh, in the beginning, there is a man and a woman and Eve was, attempt, uh, was tempted by a snake, an animal that could talk. That's weird. That doesn't make sense. So let's not act like that's normal. Uh, yes, we understand that it's weird, but also a dude raising from the dead and dying for our sins that was a God is also weird. So there's a lot of weird things in the Bible, but so if you tell me it's a boring book, you're not reading it, right? So let's hop in and we see this in Genesis. It said, uh, did God, the serpent says, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. See, there, there is a strategy that the, that the serpent is using that is in a lot of what culture and progressive Christianity and their verbiage. See, if you don't submit yourself, uh, and if you don't submit your will under the authority of God, and offer your heart to God, you can make the Bible say pretty much whatever you like. You can make it, it's a free-for-all. You can make it say whatever your heart desires. You see, the devil was using the same logic that we use today and a lot of what culture sells, do what makes you happy. He uses the same logic and it's at the very beginning when he first tempted uh, Eve. And uh, this is the conversation that I have 
with uh, non-believers when they find out I'm a Christian or, or just people in general, when they find out I'm a, I'm a pastor or a Christian, they go down the laundry list of the things that they're doing, whether it's smoking weed or whatever, they're, they're like sins. And they'll ask me if it's if it's wrong or if it's sinful or where does it say it in the Bible? And they're genuinely asking, uh, asking me. And a lot of times it seems like it's good on the surface, right? Uh, but when you start to listen, like I said about my friend in the beginning, when you start to listen to how they're speaking, you realize that they're totally missing the point. And they're not even mentioning God. That, that's the crazy thing. They're just talking about their sin the whole time. And if they do mention God, it's not positive. God is just more of a micromanager that's keeping them from the very thing that they love. And so this is the question I would have to ask you and kind of combat the devil's thinking and how he tempts us. And what you're probably thinking, the desires of your heart that you're wondering, why does God keep it from you? Should the Bible address every single sin in the Bible uh, and, and help us understand what is right and wrong? The Bible doesn't specifically say that smoking weed is wrong. Does that mean it's right? The Bible doesn't say that pedophilia is wrong specifically in the Bible. Show me the verse. Um, does that mean it's right? The Bible also doesn't really talk about premarital sex. Does that mean it's right? And so if we're not submitting ourselves uh, to God and letting scripture read us and challenge our way of thinking, and we're not leaning on our understanding, and we're transformed by the renewing of our mind and not conforming to the patterns of this world, that's when you're going to read scripture the way it was intended, not a rule book for you to live your life and to, to halfway follow Jesus. You're not even following Jesus. You're following your heart's desires and trying to follow it with a clear conscience. But that's not what the Bible's purpose is. The Bible is a love letter for you. And we'll get into that. In verse 6, it talks about when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of day, which that's super cool. I, that's dope. <laughs> Anyways, uh, <clears throat> so he was walking in the cool of the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eat from the tree, eaten from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? That's crazy. And I'm going to break down why I think that's crazy. Um, because it, it, let, let's first talk about sin. What is sin? The original sin uh, was the fruit poisonous. Was that the reason why there, there was death or maybe there was something that triggered in their brain when they ate the fruit and dealt with chemical reactions in their brain that understood that they were naked? Maybe they were in a trance and it broke some like paralysis off. Was that it? Um, or, and why did, why did uh, such a small mistake make such a big in, uh, impact and bring death into the world and all of humanity for the rest of our lives? And it's because of this. This is what I looked up the definition. Um, the sin is anything that is contrary to the will of God. 
It is a dis distortion of the world God made from perfection God intended. That's a, that's a good statement. Write that one down. It can be stubbornness, rebellion, or outright disobedience. Sin is the cause of all pain, hurt, confusion, and doubt in the world. All sin is at work inside of us. Sin distorts our hearts and obstructs our view of God. This distances us from God, putting a barrier between us. See, the original sin wasn't that the fruit was poisonous or it triggered something in our brain. Sin was declining our original purpose, being in relationship with God, ruling on his behalf. We decided to rule autonomously, but without God, what is there? Before God, we were dust. It was his breath that gave us life, and it was his word that gave us purpose and a calling. God doesn't condemn anyone to hell. God respects us too much to step on your free will. And so he doesn't force us into a relationship without him, uh, with him, but without him, what is there? There's nothing. And we think our, our sin is, is good and what he's trying to keep us from is good. But all good things come from the Father and he created everything. Wouldn't you want the creator and, and, and the ruler of this universe? He is good. We worship his creation and not the creator. And that's when things get distorted and messed up. And when we take our own, uh, what we decide is, is right from wrong. And that's what sin is because it brings death and destruction and, into the world. And this is what I what also I saw in, the, in that verse. What I thought was so crazy. And because this is something that I've struggled with my whole life um, in this sin cycle. Man, I'm not coming here and talking to you. Like I know it all. Dude, this is something that I struggle with. And my heart is always not to try to seem pious or act like I know it all. Because, dude, I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out too. And I'm plagued by the same same um, issue that you are. And that's sin. But I, I don't want you to be robbed of God's gift um, like I was for so long. And this is what I see in the garden. These two were walking with God. They talked with him. It was tangible. It wasn't like, oh, we're, we're in prayer time and, we, and we're talking to God, but he's not there. He was there with them. And they, they, they knew God. And when they ate from that fruit that God told them not to and sin entered the world, their eyes were open, but it wasn't a good thing. It brought shame. They were embarrassed and hid from each other and hid from God. But the funny thing is God didn't bring shame on them. God didn't, God didn't, God wasn't even there for that. They, it's sin had brought shame into the world and shame on them and brought insecurity and brought, and brought uh, doubt. And, and that's what sin did. God didn't intend for that to happen. And that was why God asked them not to do that. See, sin looks appetizing and great. And this is obvious. Uh, it's not going to be some blatant form, or, but it's, it's compromise. And that's what the devil does in here. It's not going to be some obvious thing like the next day you're tempted to go sell drugs. No, there's little compromises that begin to take place. And, and when you get to a place where you, you're like, how is this really that bad? And what is God keeping me from? And you begin to manipulate scripture to compromise um, 
uh, to what your own desires are and make the Bible say what you want it to say because you don't want to live under the will of God. You want to live under your own will and you want to be on the throne. But the problem is with that, sin comes in and it first shame comes about and it disengages us and makes us insecure and makes us feel unqualified and apathetic. And then this run on cycle where we try to, to, to gain God's love because we just sin. And so we do good. We pray, we study in the word, we go to church, we get pride in ourselves, then we fall. And then we go on the same cycle. We read the word, we pray, we feel guilty and we do way more than what feels like is necessary. Then we get pride in ourselves, Then we fall. And it's this continual cycle where we just become apathetic because we can't meet the holy requirement that God expects of us. And so why even try? And so we just sit in our shame and feel unqualified and God can't even save me. Or we're plagued by our haunted conscience uh, and it brings anxiety and anxiousness because of all the regret that we carry because what sin looked so appetizing is now haunting our conscience. Who will find out? I regret that I'm, I'm a Christian now, but I'm viewed in, as an enemy in their eyes. I'm not no man of God. And this is what I struggle with. We think our sin is so unique that we felt helpless in defeating it and unlovable because if they were to really find out, there's no way that people would accept us. The accuser's best strategy is to isolate you. And if, we, if you think that your situation is unique, we quit because we don't understand that there's a solution, but there is. So we tend to glorify sin so much that we forget that there is a solution and the whole point of what the Bible is. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. Our desire to sin, whatever unique form it takes, it is common and ordinary, and it has been experienced by countless others down through the generations, including Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and a God that sits at the right hand of the Father interceding and praying for you. So this is where Jesus fits all into this. This whole message we've talked about sin, and it's kind of ironic because that, that, that's, I feel like that's all we want to talk about, whether it's condemning other people or it's over-glorifying the weight of our sin. That's all we want to talk about, but we never bring Jesus into this. So where does Jesus fit into this? Did he come just to bring us to heaven? No. Jesus came to bring heaven down to earth, restoring our relationship with God, our Father, reestablishing our authority over sin, over death and creation, giving back our purpose as royal priests representing our God in heaven. He came back, gave us life like in the very beginning when he breathed into us and his word is what gave us back our purpose as being priests and identifying with our God and being, to rep being able to represent him here on earth. What an amazing gift. We identify with our sin rather than his son. That's a cute statement at first, but let me break that down. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. That's Jesus. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 So for, for you right now that's struggling, that maybe you're watching right now and you don't feel like you can go into a church because you're going to be condemned by Christians and you're going to be condemned by God and it's going to be some whipping fest um, for you knowing that you're, you already know that you're struggling and you don't feel like you're a good person. No one has to tell you that. 
for you that's struggling right now and you've never experienced Jesus, and for you that's, been, or that's watching right now that's been a Christian for quite some time and you're in this constant cycle so focused on your sin and the devil is robbing you of the benefits of this life with Christ. See, you'll go to heaven, uh, but you are getting robbed of the benefits of this life with Christ because you're so focused on sin and you, you haven't given yourself to God, the only one that defeated sin in history, the only one who conquered it. Your sin stood trial 2,000 years ago. Your, your, you didn't receive salvation when Jesus died. You received it when you believed it. You didn't receive salvation when he rose from the dead. You received it when you believed you did. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, this is such a powerful verse, and I hope you remember this, that my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And that's almost an ironic statement that, that God would say it's sufficient for you. That it's just, it's good enough. The creator of the heavens of the earth almost was kind of, I think God is kind of like a jokester in that, in that sense. Where it was kind of like, don't you think it's enough? I sent my firstborn down to you, uh, my, my one and only son. I sent him down to get brutally murdered on a cross to live a perfect life and now ascended at my right hand who prays for you and intercedes for you and is preparing a place for you. And, and grace in this statement is saying that he delights in you, that my grace, my delight in you is sufficient for you, that I am sufficient for you. And that in your weakness is honestly where you're going you're gonna to be a reflection of me. That people are going to look at you and be like, there is no way that Alex is able to do this on his own. He is a wicked person, but for some reason God is using him. And that I hope that that's the case. That people understand that I am weak because they see that God is, that God is real. And I hope that that's the mindset that you take that his grace is sufficient for you. His love is sufficient for you. It's almost like, like a fish in the sea that's afraid of, of swallowing all the water as it takes another breath. That that's the same way uh, that his grace is. We're just a little fish in the sea afraid that, that his grace might run out or this ocean might run out when we take another breath. How, how, how stupid is that to think that way? But that's how the devil tricks us. See, God loves you. He's not waiting for you to fail. Satan might encourage you to see temptations as irresistible, but God promises that we can in the power of the Holy Spirit, that we can. Of course, we can turn down God's help in overcoming temptation if we, cho if we choose to willfully indulge. And that ultimately is what sin is, a willful choice to do something other than what God wills. Foregoing a relationship with God and submitting to his will and propping ourselves up on our throne or propping sin up on its throne and we submit to our sinful nature, uh, whether that's regret or shame or just willfully doing what we want to do and manipulating scripture. See, listen, more knowledge won't save you. A podcast is not going to save you. Listening to your, your favorite sermon or pastor, Francis Chan, Stephen Furtick, 
uh, reading more of the Bible is not going to save you and you're wondering why it's not working. Why is anything not working? I'm listening to Maverick City and worship constantly, but nothing is working. That won't save you. Full surrender and repentance will save you. Saying, God, I can't do it. I cannot do it if you don't intervene. God, I, I don't have the willpower. I don't have the strength. God, I need you to come into my life and transform me. God, I give up my own will. God, I, God, can you come in and do something in my life because I don't have the strength to do it. And then not just being um, dealing with self-pity, but actually turning around and following him. That's what will save your life. And you don't have to carry this burden. Jesus wants to take it upon himself. He took your sin. So stop trying to hang on to it and stop elevating sin and focusing on sin so much when, when Jesus stole it from you. Can you just give it to him? He doesn't want you to deal with shame. And that's not holiness. You be feeling bad about yourself. That's not Jesus's plan for your life. He wants to have, he wants to be in relationship with you. And he wants to restore your purpose. Can you bow your heads and close your eyes? Because I want to pray for you. God, I pray for everyone watching right now. Whether whatever stage of life they're in, this, this sin still plagues us in it. Whatever form it takes, God, I pray that we begin to elevate you. God, not our sin, not our shame, not our regret. God, I pray that they would see you in a different light, that you're not a moral micromanager, but you're a God who loves them and wants to empower them and see them be more than conquerors. And you've already gave them the blueprint to do that. God, I pray that you would bind up uh, their sin and, 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 and take it from them, God. God, I pray that they would have a full surrender and see you in the correct light that sin would no longer obstruct their view, uh, but God, they would see you for who you really are. And that view of you will bring freedom. God, I pray this in your name. Amen.